Ruchim Aboyim B'Shem Hashem Ve'Rachnuchim Ve'Es Hashem Welcome to our weekly Baruch Hashem every week Wednesday night Shir Hope everybody had an easy fast And Hashem should answer all our Tfilis And um, he definitely will still answer our Tfilis We will be married to the Shabbos as Shabbos Nachmu, 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 Ami, the double Nachama. The Shabbos Pashas Vaschanan, always read after Tishabav. As we said, the Shabbos is named for its Haftada, Shabbos Nachmu. Why do you read that? Um. You can't be remiss and not tell the story of Shabbos Nachmu. <coughs> Though anyone listening archives of Shirim prior will hear it again and again. Famous story of Herschel Astrapolia. <laughs> who came to a house and saw a woman alone in the house and decided he has to make a, do a prank. He's always doing pranks. He came in and he told the lady, Good afternoon. I have regards from your parents. Oh, she starts to cry, my parents. So, how about Lichten Ganeden? They're already in Ganeden so many years. I know. What do you mean you know? Is I know, and I'm bringing them regards from there. So, how could you bring regards from Ganeden? Now you have to bear in mind before we continue the situation of ignoramuses. The ignoramus of yesteryear and ignoramus of today as well. Here's an expression, here's a saying and considers it a ritual. If you tell them Rosh Hashanah, everybody knows what Rosh Hashanah is in Kippur, they know what Rosh Kippur is. You tell them Shabbos Nachamu Everybody knows of Shabbos Nachmu. Does everybody understand? Does everybody know what it means? No, but they know of Shabbos Nachmu. So this fellow saw that he was dealing with a very simple woman. And he told her, I know your parents in Ganeidin. I am Shabbos Nachmu. What does she know? She knew Shabbos Nachmu was something great. Maybe it's an angel. And maybe this is really Shabbos Nachmu. <coughs> wow, she started to praise him. And she asked him, how are they doing? Ay, he says, not well, not well at all. They have nowhere to sit, nowhere to sleep, nowhere to eat. No chair, no table, no bench, no bed. It's terrible. Oh, she starts to cry and to bemoan, my parents, my parents. Tell me, she says, she gets an idea. Are you going back to Ganeidin? She says, yes. He tells her, yes, I'm going. Would you take back some furniture for them? He says, sure. Not like the guy who wanted to send to Camp Shoshanim and ended up in Camp Mosheva. It's not the same, no. Um, Okay. So she goes, and she's about to pack up. He says, I have regards also from your in-laws. Your shver and your shviga. She says, my shver and shviga, oi. 
also have a lichting in Ganeiden. They're also there already for years in Ganeiden. He's like, no. So then what's their situation? That's not much better. Oh, she's full of compassion. Her heart is breaking for them. And she says, how much can you take? He says, whatever you want to give. She starts unpacking the whole house. And he says, oh, lady, lady, where am I going to carry all this? I only have two hands. She says, maybe you can take a wagon. Okay. So she runs out and she brings her wagon and she brings the horses. Bring the cold filter. And she brings the horses. She ready. She hooks up the horses herself. She's so excited to send the stuff. She loads the whole house onto the wagon. The Shabbos Nachmu is standing by and watching. It's an open battle. The right side and second row. No. Shabbos Nachmu bids her farewell. She says, please give a heart king Rus. Hearty regards. No good. Shabbos Nachmu drives off. No, a little while later, the husband comes home. The husband comes home and the, sees his house has become awfully big. The house became awfully big. He says, Where is all the furniture? And she says to him, Oh, you don't know. Shabbos Nachmu came. And he brought regards from your parents, from my parents. He said, the situation is terrible in Ganeiden. And so I sent all the furniture to them. He says, Shabbos Nachmu, are you Meshige? She says, no, he was here in the flesh. So he says, Shabbos Nachmu is the Shabbos after Tishabov. It's not a person. She says, Oyvei, what do I know? I always hear about Shabbos Nachmu. The husband asks his wife which direction does this thief go. She shows which direction. He mounts his, final, his last horse and he begins to go in pursuit of the Shabbos Nachmu with, his, with all his possessions. He gets down a few miles and he sees a man standing next to this very, very large tree. And his arms are wrapped around this awfully large tree which is almost twice his size. And he says to the man, tell me, did you see somebody go by here with two horses with a very, very full wagon? He says, yes. Which way did he go? He says, you'll never catch him. He's very, very good. He says, but my whole belongings, my whole house is there. He says, I sympathize with you, but you're not going to catch him. He's a really good horse rider. A good wagon driver. So what can I do? How can I save my, my whole property, my whole life? He says, I'm an expert rider. I could catch him. He says, here, take my horse and go catch him. He says, no, 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 whoa, whoa, wait a minute. If you notice, I'm not wearing any clothes. He says, aha. He says, the reason I'm not wearing any clothes is because of Mishnah. Did you ever learn Mishnah? He says, yeah. So the Mishnah says, I'll the world stands on three pillars. He says, yeah, 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 I know the Mishnah. He says, this is one of the pillars. And my tafkid, my job, is to hold this pillar all the time. 
since my job is always to be up against the pillar, I don't need clothing. However, if you want me to go ride the horse, you're going to have to hold the beam for me. You're going to have to hold the pillar. But if you're holding the pillar, you don't need the clothing. And if I'm going to go on the horse, I need the clothing. So the man said, fine. And the man took his clothes and gave him the man his clothes. And he began to hold the pillar for him. And this guy jumped on his horse. And he joined the other two horses with Shabbos Nachmu. And Shabbos Nachmu and one of the pillars drove off with this guy's entire fortune. So it would be a miss not to tell the story of Heshlas Terpoli and the Shabbos Nachmu as Heshlas pulled off another one. Chumash Devarim, as we said last week, is a repetition. It's called Mishnah Teda. Mishnah Teda refers to a repetition of the first four books of Teda. We also mentioned that there's no space, the space between Bamidva and Devarim are not counted, in that it's only a repetition to the other four prior Chumashim. However, there are dinim, and there are certain things that Mesha repeats in Chumash Devarim that differentiate from what it had in the first four Chumashim. I get the salt spray. Amongst those things, we find in this week's Parsha, where once again, we read of the Aseris Adibris, the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, we hear our entire lifestyle. We are taught our entire existence. Whether it be Ben Adam Lamakim or Ben Adam Lachavele, between man and his creator or man and his fellow creation. One such commandment is Leisertzach. One may not kill. Now we know, of course, of the Medrash that tells us that the Almighty peddled the Teda to all the nations before offering it to the Jewish nation. And he offered it to every nation he offered it to every nation and each nation asked what is written. And each one found a flaw because there is a law in the Teda that they cannot abide by. And reading the Teda, hearing the word Leisetzach, one shall not kill, it's awkward. Killing, taking away another person's life. We know we're given X amount of years in the world. For a person to kill another person, they're taking away, they're shortening their time for the mission in this world. It's an oddity. 
Why would a person need to be warned? Would a person need to be commanded not to kill? But yet, look. Look today, what's going on in the Middle East. Look what happened only 10 decades ago in Nazi Germany. During the time of the Inquisition, during the time of Stalin, etc., etc. Where people cold-bloodedly killed people. There's a story told of Meir Premishlana. Meir Premishlan was visited by Tuchsidim and they didn't bemoan necessarily their Parnosa, but they were lacking. And they asked for Bracha and Parnasa. Reb Meir handed them 18 coins, 18 like pennies. And so the first offer you're given, grab it. Buy it. No, there's two chsidim left. And they come to the market and there's a Polish... Looks like a peasant standing there. And he says he has little hats. Shows him this little hat. It's like a casquette type of hat, all tied up. So I guess how they sold him. Couldn't transport, they got bulky. So they packed him up in a certain way. So how much is a hat? He said six coins. So they gave him six coins. They opened the hat and they saw there were jewels inside there. Before they could say anything, he says, you want any more? I have a lot of them. So they bought another two for the 18 coins and as again they found the jewels inside them. Finally the guy said, you know, honestly, I have a whole sack that I brought to the market with me. I'm satisfied to have made the 18 coins today. I don't want to schlep the sack home with me, it's heavy. You can take the whole sack. But we don't have any more money. It's fine, it's a gift. The whole sack meant that every hat is going to have these jewels. Obviously, that's why it's so heavy. But then they said to each other, you know, we're going to get in trouble once this guy finds out how we rooked him. How we ripped him off. He took so much so much valuable merchandise from him for 18 little kopecks. He's going to come chasing. He's going to call the police. He's going to have a... It's going to be a whole case. One guy says to the other, you know what? I spoke in Lashen Kedish to one another. You know what? There's a ditch not far. 
Let's just pay the shagoy. What's the difference? We'll beat him up or throw him in the ditch. The merchant turns to them and says, Excuse me, I speak Hebrew too. I go and give you such a bargain and that's how you're going to repay me? Forget it. He takes everything back from them, doesn't even return their coins, puts it back in the sack and disappears. They come back to Premishtan and they tell Rameya what happened. Rameya looks at them and says, You mean you wanted to kill Elio Anavi? You wanted to kill Elijah the prophet? This was not a Polish peasant. This was Eliyahu Anavi sent down to see to it that they are given Parnosa. But they got so overzealous that they were prepared to even kill. Let's go a little more into the Pasha. When it comes to Teda, we are given a very interesting warning. Be very careful. Perhaps you will forget. The Mishnah Pirkeyavas, we just learned. Actually, we're going to do it this Shabbos. Perik Dalit Mishnah Tess. I'm sorry, this is Perik Dalit Mishnah Pasuk Tess, where it says, It's last week's Mishnah, I thought it was last week's Perik. Perik Gimel Mishnah Ches. And the mission says, from here we learn, if a person forgets anything from his learning, Taylor says, God forbid the person is chayiv with his soul. As it says, Watch out your soul very dearly not to forget any Tater. For those keeping score at home, we turn to Tractate Baba Metziah. Gemara Baba Metziah Pehei Amad Aleph 85 side 1 Reb Zayda, Kisalik Radadir Yisrael, the Gemara tells us a happening, Reb Zayda went to the Holy Land of Israel, Yosef Meir Taniso, he fasted 100 fasts, the Ishtakach Gemara Bavlo, to forget all the Gemara that he learned in Bavl, Minei, forgotten for him, Ki Echad Le'Nitardeh, 
In order for one to learn Yerushalmi, one needs to totally wipe the Bavli. How is it possible then? What way did Abzera have permission to forget the Talmud Bavli? We just learned the Pasuk and the Gemara also in Menachis we're keeping score at home Sadiq Tessam at Beis 99 side 2 says anyone that forgets anything that he learned is Ever a love he is transgressing The Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe writes in his Shulchan Aruch, in Hilchus Talmud Teira, Perik Beis Halachazayin, and from there we see he explains what is the Iser, what is the prohibition of forgetting Teira. The concept of forgetting Teira, what level is it? that a person is punishable for, Peirish min If Rahman al-Islam, a person suffers an illness and forgets everything, we had a Rav, a Rav Rosh Hashiva, Rav Ushpal, and Rav Ushpal suffered tremendously during the war. And excuse me, I believe after the war he suffered a stroke or something, and they say he basically forgot everything. But being the special person that he was, he was relentless and didn't waste a moment and relearned everything. He relearned everything that he learned, the Shas, the Shachanarach, everything. He happened to be a brilliant rabbi. When a person, though, says, I'm going to separate myself from Teda, I don't want to have anything to do with Teda at all, that, says the Alter Rebbe, is called forgetting Teda. But if Chassam something like happened to Rav there's no prohibition involved. We know that the difference between Talmud Yerushalmi and Talmud Bavli is in Talmud Yerushalmi there is less shaklevetaria. The shaklevetaria, the back and forths of conversations in Yerushalmi, there is less than Bavli. And therefore, a person can get more directly to the point in the study of Yerushalmi than in Bavli. When it comes to Bavli, in order to get the maskana, to get to the bottom line, there's a long shaklevetaria sometimes. The Gemara tells us, for those keeping score at home, Sanhedrin 24, side 1, 
מחשכים הישיבני זה תלמוד השבורם. ומובן שלי בהשקפתי מקשה על הזיכרון. A person, a memory can be affected from the study of Bavli because of the Shakla Vitaria, the back and forth and back and forth. From there we understand, therefore, that just the opposite. The concept that Reb had, that he fasted a hundred fasts to forget Yemara Bavli, was in order that he should merit to understand and to grasp the halachas of Yerushalmi even better. Like we brought down from the Gemara in, in Menachas, Pa'amim Shibitula Shalteda, is that what you say that Sometimes the bitl of Teda is its foundation. And therefore the Dolchas Shalom Shikha involved, that he went to separate himself from the Teda, but just the opposite. He wanted to get closer to Talmud Yerushalmi. He wanted to be more fluent in Talmud Yerushalmi. In order to do so, he needed to eliminate, he needed to put old control delete on his memory of Talmud Bavli for the Shaklavataris. In the time of the Bashem HaKadosh, the Holy Baal Shem Tov, he had some very interesting opposition. Amongst those opposing the Baal Shem Tov, was a very holy Jew, Yaakov Yosef Polonia. Yaakov Yosef Polonia didn't only oppose the Baal Shem Tov, he could almost, we'd say, despised him. He had zero tolerance for the Balshemta shenanigans, what he thought. Balshemta was heard about as a miracle worker, and as a this and a that, as a mystic. And this was, in those days, was a very novel concept. And there were many people that were very opposing to it. Rabbi Yosef one of them. However, occasion had it, and the Balshemta was invited to come speak in Polonia. In the very town that Rabbi Yaakov Yosef was the Rebbe, the Rav. He had good mind to chase him out. But then he decided, you know what? We live in democracy. <laughs> Let the people decide. The people are no fools. They're going to hear him talk. They're going to see him with his shenanigans and his whole thing. And they're going to drive him out on his own. He's going to learn already a lesson trying to play games in a town like mine. No. The Bashem HaKadosh came to the shul that he had to speak in. The whole town was there, of course, except for Yaakov Yosef. The Rebbe himself was not there. However, Rabbi Yaakov Yosef Polonia 
was trying to learn at home, and he couldn't. He could not find a position. He cannot find himself as situ- he could not. He made himself a cup of tea. He made himself this. He made that. He tried everything, and it was just not coming. He couldn't get the, the brain in motion. Something was disturbing his learning. Finally, he decided to go for a walk. Needless to say, the town of Polonia was not exactly 40 square miles. He walked a little bit, and lo and behold, he was outside the shul where the Bashem HaKadosh was speaking. And the Bashem Tev was saying, <coughs> in your town, you have a very holy rabbi. He is very special. He is very holy. As a matter of fact, he's one of the people of this generation that are close enough to be able to bring Mashiach. However, at this point when he said however, Rabbi Akivis is standing outside wanted to storm the shul and throw the Vashem out. What do you mean however when you're talking about me? However, he suffered a little mishap. Last year on Tishabov, as he was fasting, and lamenting over the destruction of the temples, he caused a tremendous stir in heaven. Everyone was enthralled with the great intentions and the great prayers, the lamentations, the tears. whole heaven was turning upside down. Except, of course, for the Sultan. The Sultan got very nervous from this. And the Sultan requested permission to put a stop to it. And permission was granted. And the Sultan came before Rabbi Yaakov Yasef. Beautiful, long white beard, flowing white beard, like a nice Ksidah and in his hand he held a beautiful, delicious, scrumptious apple. Shh. And he said to him, Rebbe, you're not a young man. The fast is affecting you. I don't know. Is it a mitzvah? Excuse me, to kill yourself? To be made some nefesh for a fast? Look, your eyes are getting dimmer, your head is getting light. And as he spoke, this is happening to Yaakov Yosef. Yaakov Yosef was feeling ready that he was going to faint. And the man said, don't be foolish, Rebbe. Take the apple, eat the apple. 
and he went further and he kept going on at him. And as he talked, whatever he said, as far as debilitation of his strength, happened. He felt he was going out. He felt he was getting ready to meet his maker. He never felt so weak in his life. And he could only imagine this is what it feels like before death. Take the apple. It's not a mitzvah to die. Yaakov your love, he says. The rabbi of your town grabbed the apple and he made a bracha so when he realized he made the bracha, he looked at the guy and he looked at the apple and he says, no way! And he threw the apple at the sultan. He says, you're a fake and the apple's a fake. And they both ran out, disappeared. And he didn't break his fast, the next night, Yaakov Yasef has a dream. He came out of the palace of the czar, of the king, whatever. And there was a beautiful field. And at the end of the field was an orchard of apples. Beautiful looking apples. (coughs) And he asked the guard, whose apples are these? He says, these are your apples. They're apples of sin. He says, what do you mean? He says, the entire orchard is apple, are apples of sin. So how are they my apples? You created these apples because you made a bracha levatola. You made a bracha for naught. You made a bracha but you did not eat. And when you did that, you created this entire orchard of forbidden apples. How can I be rid of them? I was told to tell you when you come and you ask that you need to fast and pray. Only through fasting and praying can you do tshuva, can you repent for this sin and get rid of the apples. And so he fasted for several days and he had a dream that he was standing by the orchard and the apples all fell off the trees but the trees were still there he fasted several more days only drinking a little bit of water at night and he had a dream that all the leaves fell off the trees he fasted a few nights more a few days more And he dreamt that the trees were totally withered. And he fasted yet a few nights more and he found all the trees upside down. But they were still there. But they were upside down. Vashem is telling this narration. They were all upside down, the trees. The only way he's going to get those trees totally gone, said the Bashemtav, 
if he becomes my chassid. Mm. When he becomes my chassid, then his tshuva will be complete and those trees will be totally gone. And Yaakov became a very, very dear and close chassid of the Bashem HaKadosh. We see a slight mishap or a misprint. A problem upon him when we read the Teda. We read this week the Aseres Adibris. And the Aseres Adibris, unlike In Chumash Shmei's Pashat Yisrael, where it says Zocher is a Meshavas Lekadshei, Sheish Yomim, so you don't touch the Malacha. It doesn't say that. Instead of saying the same lotion of Zocher is a Meshavas Lekadshei, in our Pasha it says Shomer is a Meshavas. The change. What changes from Zohar to Shomer? Why in Shemais is it Zohar as in Meshavas Lekadshe? And here in Vaishanan it's Shomer as in Meshavas. And Rashi tells us, Zacher v'Shomer, b'Dibur Echad. Zacher and Shomer were both mentioned together. Now, the phenomenon of hearing the voice of Hashem was a phenomenon in its own. And therefore, the fact that Zohar and Shomer were said in one shot is another phenomenon that we need to be able to wrap, around, wrap our heads around. There are two concepts. There is a fellow that works very, very hard all week long. And it comes Shabbos. It's his day of rest. He has no problem not working, not doing anything. And then you have the person that does nothing all week long. And it comes Shabbos and he's again doing nothing. For these two people, we need the Zohar and the Yishamer Yisema Shabbos. One needs to remember it's Shabbos, and one needs to keep the Shabbos, not just because it's a day off.
The Aseris Adibris begin with Anoichi Hashem Aleikecha. I am God, your God, and Yilcha Limachirim. You should not have any other gods. And it finishes, Leisachmed Kol Hashem Aleikecha. Do not be jealous. Do not want anything that belongs to your friends. So as we said before, Tata is commanding us, mitzvahs between a person and God. And so too, commandments in many different ways between a person and a friend. Just like everyone understands that between a person and a friend, if we don't live in harmony and peace, man will eat man and there will be nothing left. So too the person has to understand his connection between himself and his creator. However, when is the behavior between one and another kidiboy without the person interjecting his avas atzme his own love for himself? And thereby not transgressing on the respect of your father, not to steal, not to be jealous, etc. How could one do that only if they remember the concept of Anoichi Hashem Alekecha? These are not just to the person, not just a seichel, but a commandment from God. Only then can the person follow in the path and in the way that one needs to follow. One of the phenomenons that took place, the voice of God was heard, the souls flew out from the people the Medrash tells us by Anechi and by the Yilacha, the Malachim had to literally bring the Tal, the dew, from Tchiyas HaMesim to revive the people. One would imagine if you ever sat through a good thunderstorm, through a good, good noise such as that, as a voice of God would have an echo. How is it then? Taylor tells us, Kel God Yosef. And the message explains, There was no echo. The voice traveled, went through stone, went through mountains. There was no echo. And what's so special the fact there was no, no echo? Why did God have to perform such a miracle? The simple reason that we understand why there was no echo is because we didn't want 
God did not want anyone to think there's a second person talking. Just for the record, those who are listening and following all the miracles and happenings that are going on in Israel, was a story with a woman that the Chachman al-Tzan was committed, was put on medications because she was hearing voices. She was hearing voices, Nebuch. And this went on and on and on until finally they put her on meds and wanted to put her away. And now, during this war, they found a tunnel under her house. So the people working under her house, nobody imagined that there were people under her house were the voices that drove her off her mind. But there are many interesting, miraculous stories that are going on. One that's very, very important for everyone to learn a lesson. Soldiers were in Gaza, and they entered a house. Seriously? And they decided to hear, ready, it's empty, the Davin Mincha. They got ten Jews, they're going to Davin Mincha. And the Chazan's davening. And this Arab walks inside, and he's crying, he's supposedly crying, and he says, it's unbelievable. By hearing your prayers, I remind me, it reminds me when I was little, I was abducted, I was kidnapped, I was brainwashed. And now I hear your tefillah, and I remember, I remind myself how I was Jewish. Chazan didn't, didn't hear what the guy was saying, he just knew the guy was making a lot of noise. He turned around, he saw an Arab talking, he took his gun, he shot him. Everybody started, hey, what are you doing? They ran over to try to help him, they tore open his clothes, and they found he was laden in bombs. He was plastered from head to toe in bombs. So the point is, don't talk him in the davening, because the Chazan might shoot you. Uh, but another such story this happens they say it's a true story I don't I can't vouch for it I was not there but there was another story of such which is very famous I heard from many many people many different people independently who have nothing to do with one another of a bunch of soldiers that were in a in a tunnel wherever they were and there was no escaping from where they were an Arab woman came in and she was going to blow herself up the soldiers saw they had no escape the Jewish children they covered their eyes and they cried out Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekinu Hashem Echot they cried out Shema Yisrael with such fervor it shook the woman to her core she began to cry, to bawl. And she said she was a kidnapped woman, a girl. And she was forced to marry an Arab. And now she was sent to, or she ran away with an Arab. Excuse me, now she was sent to blow up Jews. But the Tefillah Shema Yisrael reminded her where she comes from. And she immediately allowed them to take apart the bombs. Of course, they were Shomanagia, they were very careful how they did it. Um, the Yad, not what's it called? 
Yad Laachim found out which village this woman was from, and they already got the children out as well. Wherever she is. But they saved the Jewish family. And this all happened from Kupasir. No. Um, miracles are happening on a daily basis. I don't remember the story of the book. The guy who was sitting... Huh? They came to a house and they saw a dove, a yonah, the bird of freedom, the bird of peace. And they saw the bird suspended outside the house. A few feet away from the house, the bird was not moving. It was in mid-air. And as they were approaching the house and they saw that, one of the guys said, stop! Something wrong. Birds don't stand still in the middle of the air. And they shot at the bird. And the bird was in, enwrapped with all the wiring that was around the house. And had they gotten any closer, they would have triggered the whole house, would have blown them up. But then there's a, also one of the famous stories that's been going around of the fellow that was working, that was operating the Iron Dome. He's operating the Iron Dome and one of the missiles came in and he could not stop it. And it was headed straight for Tel Aviv. He immediately called Magen David Adom and he said, we are in for major casualties, This missile got past me, I could not stop it. It's heading straight for Tel Aviv. He wanted them to be on, on call, evacuate and everything, for the few split seconds they could save, whoever they could save. As the guy sitting there watching this, he saw as if Hashem's hand grabbed the missile and turned it to sea. And the missile went out to sea. He made his next phone call to his local rabbis, whatever it was, send me Tfilin quick. <laughs> he said, I saw God's hand, I have to put on my hand as well. Going back into the realm of miracles. Many, many years ago, there was a famous story of the Maram Merottenberg. Rabmeyer Merottenberg. He was a very, very holy, special Jew. Tremendous Talmud Chacham. And as he decided after, after years and years of building tremendous yeshivas and Talmidim and everything, he decided he's going to go to Eretz Yisrael. But anti Semitism was rising there. He was captured. And when they realized who they had, they decided to ransom him. They figured the Jews would pay hand, handsomely for him. This is the famous Psakdin. He sent out a Psak that no one is to spend a penny on him because he'll only open a Pandora's box. Once you start with him, it'll go with them. They'll keep taking people. And he refused, they'd be allowed to be ransomed. They would sneak into his prison, they would sneak in Tfilin and kosher food sometimes. 
He's a tremendous Talmud Chacham, as we said, and sat and learned Tata by day and night by himself, by heart. There was one thing, though, that cannot, he cannot console himself with. And this is a, a P.S. to the story. Everybody knows till here. And they know that he died in prison. And they know it took a long time to get him to be buried. And want to ransom the body. But in the interim, a very interesting story happened. He had Tata, he learned Tata all the time. One thing that hurt him more than anything else, he did not have a safer Tata. He wanted a safer Tata that he could lean from, even if he's himself, he could read them the safer Tata on Shabbos, Monday, Thursday, Yom Tov, whatever it was, or Shedish. The story is told that he cried to such an extent that suddenly in his dream he saw an angel. An angel holding a Sefer Teda. And the angel said, I am Malach Machol. Your Tzvilas Lemaila were in a Your prayers were accepted. And to accommodate you with a Sefer Teda, I am bringing you a Sefer Teda. However, I want you to know the source of the Sefer Teda. Meshe Rabbeinu, it says, wrote 13 Sefer Teda. 12, he, he, he gave out, distributed, amongst each Shevet. Well, each Shevet got one. And the 13 was hidden. From this 13th Teda, the Malak told him, Lemaila, all the Tzadikim, Come together for Kriya Satera. And Kriya Satera is read from this Sefer. However, seeing the pain that you are in, it was decided that the Sefer Tera be brought to you. And whenever you learn from it, all the Yitzhadikim will come to hear from you. This went on for a while and it was known that every time he leaned the room, you felt the spirituality in the room. Then he got the idea, he decided He decided that it's Chaval and the Sefer Tera like this needs to be re- replicated. He got his Talmudim to sneak in parchment and ink and feathers and he rewrote in a year's time the exact duplicate of the Sefer Tera. And as soon as he finished rewriting it, the Sefer Tera disappeared. He started to be mispowled. He started to be mispowled. Am I being punished? Did I do something wrong by writing it over? And he was told, no. Adraba. 
He wrote it perfectly. It's an exact duplicate. And therefore, you no longer need the other Sefer, because you have this one. And this Sefer, ultimately he took and he rolled up, and he put into a box, which he built, and he sealed it off properly from all sides. Before he died, he lowered it out his window into the river that went past the prison, and it floated downstream. And when it got to Worms, the fishermen, the Goyesh fishermen sitting there, saw a box, they tried to catch it, they couldn't catch it. It avoided them, evaded them. So, finally they called the Jewish fishermen, and the Jewish fishermen captured the box. And he took the box, he brought it in, and they opened it up, and inside they saw the Sevetera, and on the box was written, this Sevetera was donated to the shul in Worms. So it went down river till Worms, and it came to their shul. And the story has it that that Sevetera survived everything that ever went down in that area. That Sevetera till today, I believe, still exists. And therefore, we need to understand the Cheshivas of Teda, the importance of Teda, as we stand this Shabbos again for the Aseris Hadibris, and then ultimately we should merit to Nachemu, Nachemu Ami, that the double Nechama, the double condolences that Hashem sends, should be sent to us this very Shabbos, and we should have the ultimate condolence, that we should have the ultimate Geula, Amitiz Vashlema, and that Klal Yisrael should merit to have Mashiach Tzitkenu reading for us the Haftedah, and telling us, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami. Shabbat Shalom to all.